<laughs> and it's so cool to know that you're you're also here in Calgary. So I hadn't I didn't realize that. that. Awesome. <laughs> yes. Are you originally from Calgary? No, I'm from uh, Ontario, close to Toronto, like a smaller town outside. Nice. What's it called? Wealth. Oh, okay. Not, yeah. Yeah. Not that small. Small when I was growing up, but <laughs> not anymore. <laughs> and then what brought you out west? Uh, I came out west a few times. I came here for the first time in 2002. Um, so I've been in aviation a really long time uh, since I was 19. And I first came out here just because my airline at the time was... I was really young and they were doing like seven day Hawaii trips from Calgary. And it just seemed like a no brainer. Like just go, <laughs> go live in Hawaii pretty much and get paid for it. So that's the first time I came here. And then I was here for two years um, and loved it. But then I just missed home and I was still pretty young. So I moved back to Ontario uh, just to see my family that didn't last for long, ended up in the middle East from there. And then uh, Abu Dhabi and then, uh, and then eventually when I came home from Abu Dhabi, my sister had moved here and my sister and I are very, very close. So then it was like, well, my closest family member is here and I love the mountains and I love it here. So I just came back. <laughs> I love it. What yeah. brought you to Abu Dhabi? Yeah. Abu Dhabi at the time it was uh, Etihad. So that was the third airline I worked for. So I've, I've been in aviation for 21 years. This is actually, I've officially retired just two months ago, which is crazy. Does it feel weird? Yeah, it's, it does. It's, uh, I don't miss flying because I feel like I've done so much. Like I've seen so much of the world. I'm so grateful for that. And I actually really love the being grounded. Like I'm actually very excited for this. But a lot of people that try to leave they get sucked back in because it's just not their time. There's still more on their bucket list. There's still more to see and do. And I feel pretty content. <laughs> so, How did you know that I'm good now? Like this is now time to, you know, um, well, next chapters I, of life, right? I wouldn't even say throw in the bucket because it's literally your next chapter. No, I, I think I just had to come to some acceptance that it's, it doesn't end my, my adventures, my travel. I can still travel. I just can do what I want. And so as you you know, the path, so my fourth airline actually being ended up being deployed to the UN working overseas. So the last 10 years and the majority of my aviation career was war zones and with the UN. So that wears on a person for sure. <laughs> and what airline would that be? So it's actually a small airline out of Ontario called Voyager, not very well known. And we're pretty much our 95% of our work is contracted to the UN. So we don't really fly anyone else. So nobody knows about us. <laughs> yeah. The low key. Low key. Yeah. It's in North Bay, Ontario. So super low key. <laughs> Way up there. Now, have you always been someone that was a fit, active individual? Um, Not to the point that I am now or that I have been in the past 11 years since competing. Um, I wasn't, I was never very competitive growing up when it came to team sports or anything. Um, everything, my competition is always with myself. It always has been always trying to beat my best. So um, I wasn't really on a lot of team sports. I was in gymnastics when I was younger and I did some track. Um, I got into running later on. And when I was applying for the police, um, so that was what I was doing before I went with the UN. 
Uh, I was in school for policing and I went back 10 years older than everyone else in college. And so because I'd been traveling, I've been traveling since I was 19. So when I went back as an adult student, 10 years older than everyone else, I felt sort of, I guess, embarrassed in a way. And I thought um, I was never super competitive in high school, but now there was a timeline. Like I was 27 years old. It was time to grow up. I needed a, <laughs> to start my career, like the next career. And, um, and then I just needed to be the best applicant possible, I felt. So I just went overboard. I had four volunteer jobs through college. I worked part-time in a gym and then of course college. And then I just wanted to chase every achievement award or anything that I could. I just wanted to be the best applicant I could because I was applying to the RCMP after. So, um, did you have family in the RCMP or anybody else? No, no. I chose the RCMP kind of post Abu Dhabi, actually. It was because of, um, I didn't know uh, exactly how to do this. I just knew at the time, it's funny how, because what I'm, what I'm doing now, um, back then the, the mission was more in my head. I was, I was in Abu Dhabi for a year and that was my first real, I guess, kind of culture shock before, you know, all the, the past 10 years with the UN. So now I'm super used to other countries, you know, I've been at all over, but I think that was the first time that, um, I had seen women kind of treated differently and, and, or different cultures, you know, the, the difference in how even I was treated as a Canadian there compared to um, like other countries. It's like that once they found out where you were from, there was kind of a hierarchy and where you landed and how people, how you were respected. And so. Was, can was Canada respected? Well, it was actually, it was. So people did like that once, but you know, for instance, I, two of my roommates, because you live with other crew. So two of my roommates were uh, Romanian and they didn't get the same treatment that I did. And it was just, it really bothered me, <laughs> you know, just the littlest things, just how um, people would always ask where you were from and then how that mattered. That just bothered me. Anyway. Um, well, there we were... get that in North American culture. It's like, what do you do for work? Yeah, we do. Yeah, and you're right. Indirectly, people put you in a place, right? Of yeah. Hierarchy. They just, yeah, I'm, <laughs> that's so true. And I feel that way with all stereotypes. Cause I even feel that with, as being a flight attendant or being a, even a fitness competitor or fitness model or every single like box or anything that I'm supposed to fall into, I've never felt like I fit into. I don't think I fit into any of them. And so anytime I'd get that stereotype, it would drive me crazy. <laughs> oh, yeah. And you know what? You can learn something from everybody. So hopefully you're doing it in a positive manner. If you are kind of putting people in boxes, because I, I don't know, I don't think people are in boxes. You got to get to know them a little more. And there's, you'll yeah. realize um, no one's really in a box. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Just dive so deep, right? Just get deeper in. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. When you, <clears throat> when you look at yourself, what makes you think that you were never in a box? Like, why were you the black sheep? Oh, I just don't think I've ever, like I, my entire life, I don't think I fit into any stereotype that anybody ever imagined. Like I just, and it really, it's bothered me since I was a kid. Like anything from, you know, if any of my friends smoked, then people assume you do. I'm like, no, I'm an individual. 
<laughs> like I'm a different person and it doesn't mean I don't have friends that do different things than me, you know? So even just things like that as a teenager, or um, I grew up in government housing. So most of the kids in our area, there was, uh, it was not, you know, nobody really had any money in our area. So then there was also some crime, but not re- not everyone, not everyone was like that. Right. So I've always just had, just uh, even as a child, like everyone always thought you were something different. Yeah. Rich people uh, also have problems too, I've realized. Yes, absolutely. And you know what? I've actually, growing up without money, I have a lot of friends now that are also very successful. And um, I realized that I used to have that thought or that stereotype, not feeling comfortable around rich people, I thought. I, I didn't used to feel comfortable. And what and was that? Like self-worth? Yeah, I think so. I think it's just because I felt like they'd figure me out that I came from nothing and then they wouldn't like me or something like that. I'm not sure. Um, but one of my closest friends, one of my best, best friends um, didn't, you know, grow up like that, but, you know, now is. And um, and then, you know, other friends as well. And it's just made me realize, like, even I stereotyped. Like, I'm so against it, but I did because I felt like, oh, they're going to be snobby to me or not accept me. It's not the case at all, <laughs> you know? Because you also realize as everyone's got struggles, right? No matter what you have, it's what's inside of you, right? And yes. that's shaking. It doesn't matter if you got a big house and you're, you know, miserable inside or whatever you're feeling, right? So right. Yeah. happiness comes from within. And, uh, you know, when you're younger, I bet there are moments where you thought you had it all, right? You didn't need um, mm-hmm. everything. Or you didn't know you, like, I remember in our neighborhood thinking, oh, people think we don't have anything because everyone is in this neighborhood, you know, is stereotyped. And and then I end up traveling the world and I end up in countries that have nothing compared to what we have. Yeah. What made you push through and continue fitness while you've been traveling and moving throughout the world? Uh, well, when I first... Um, Oh, I didn't really finish that story from the policing. I just realized that no. that's where the drive first came. Um, so I think that started, that's how I really got into fitness. That's when I started competing and I was started racing. I started doing um, training for half marathons and everything. It, all of it was to excel, you know, for my application to the RCMP. That got sidetracked with the UN. But anyway, when I ended up with the UN instead, um, which I just feel that kind of happened. It was meant to be the way it came up and kind of landed in my lap at the right time. And um, I had already started competing because I was in school beforehand, working in a gym. Um, so I'd I'd done my first couple competitions while I was in college as an adult student for policing, and they went really well. I didn't know what I'd never seen a show before. I didn't know what to expect or anything about it, but I ended up winning my first couple shows, and was hooked of course after that and uh but then i heard back and i got the job and they were sending me to afghanistan for my very first tour so i thought okay well i was just doing this for fun to you know while i was here and now i'm off to afghanistan so my life's gonna be different so i'm not gonna compete anymore and then i got there and that is not the time to not focus on fitness that is the exact time to focus on fitness (laughs) when uh, you've got the environmental stresses that we did, of course. Um, so everybody kind of lets it out in the gym is really, um, there's a, a real purpose for it there. 
And we really do need <laughs> to be able to take care of our physical self to essentially take care of our mental health as well. Right. So, um, yeah, so I just started, I kept training. Uh, I didn't commit to anything. And then I realized it was possible. And I thought that's kind of a, a unique challenge. I should try that. So I committed to do a show, uh, at the time it was in Ontario and I did my prep in Kandahar, uh, flew home a couple of weeks before the show competed and I, I won again. So I was like, okay, this is working out. <laughs> so, and is there prize money involved in this as well? Not at that level. Those were just small regional shows. I didn't, I wasn't pro yet. So I got um, my pro status later on. And then now, now there is, there's either, there's some, either some cash or uh, crowns and that sort of thing. Super cool. Yeah. Yeah. So I just continued on with it because, because it was possible because obviously once I had bases where it was possible, but for a good chunk of time after Afghanistan, it wasn't possible because we went to places that there was just next to nothing. And um, when I moved to some of the Africa bases, so it's not that I couldn't do it. It's that I also wanted to do other things. So I got, I did other things on my time off. Like I got into skydiving and hiking and everything. And then a few years went by and I just, I missed the routine of bodybuilding and fitness. So I wanted another challenge. I was stationed in a little, I flopped around between South Sudan, Uganda, Niger, and Congo. Okay. Did you and go to Tanzania? It, That's where I was born. Yeah. Were you? Really? I've, I've climbed Kili, but I... Have you? Okay. In yeah. Yes. Yeah. That's what I took time off for. So I was like competing in Afghanistan. But then when I went first went to Africa and uh, and there was just all these other possibilities, I thought I can't just only compete when there's like Kili to climb and mm-hmm. bungee jumping and skydiving. And I, so I just wanted to do it all. So I... I took a period of time off. My mom's few- brother's still in Arusha. Wow. Really? Oh, it's beautiful. Have you been? No. Well, I was born there and then came yeah. here at a young age. Back. Yeah, never went no? I do want to go. I want to see Zanzibar. Yes. Yeah, it's beautiful. I love Zanzibar. Yeah. Yeah, you've got to go back. It's um gorgeous country. When you when you look at kind of what you've done, um, any regrets? With anything like you're like where do I start I'm just kidding I'm like oh maybe I don't I don't really I don't think so though because I don't I don't right yeah I don't really believe in regrets I just feel that I've learned from everything it doesn't matter even if it if it got me down at the time if I've been through lots of hard times over the past decade especially well longer than that of course just in life but the past 10 years deployed in war zones I've seen some stuff and been pretty traumatized from a few things but um yeah it doesn't feel so great in the moment but it's part of who I am now and it's part of my story and part of what I've learned and part of what I can give back and how I can help others through how come you never quit time. when you you know you see something traumatizing you're like most oftentimes they ain't paying me enough to see that shit I'm out of here yeah when those things come up I usually just ask for a base change <laughs> um and then I usually end up at the same base of you know, it doesn't go away. We end up back there eventually, but sometimes you just need like a reboot. So that has happened. I've been in a few tough tours where, but I was also there for a long time. Like Darfur was pretty tough. So, you know, after a while, I think I did four tours in a row and then I'm not just Darfur and Khartoum and both. And I just, after that, it wears you down. You're just like, okay, like give me something else for a little bit and then I can come back, (laughs) you know? So there, what are you guys dropping off? Is it medical equipment? Is it food? 
No, we we fly all the staff. So all the UN staff that's deployed overseas. Right. Okay. So we fly them into their missions. Um, we fly some of the higher ups from New York whenever they come in to oversee everything and to have meetings. We fly peace talks, like we'll fly the presidents and the vice presidents of different countries for peace talks. Um, we fly refugees, a lot, lot of uh, rescue flights, lots of rescue flights. The Ebola, mes- um, Ebola rescue flights we did, lots of COVID rescue flights. Um, Lots of prisoners where they've been, the UN has fought to have them released. So we would fly in to pick up the prisoners after, um, like in Yemen or, you know, after seven years of being captive and we would take them home. Really emotional flights, very, very emotional (laughs) flights with our passengers. So it wasn't, um, in fact, we didn't normally even serve. So my job there was not anything like people would imagine a regular flight attendant job. We didn't serve food or anything. um, And we uh, didn't fly under normal circumstances at all. And a lot of the times, you know, I'm like sitting there and saying, please fasten your seatbelt and doing all the. Yeah. I mean, I do that. I was was the only one on board. So it's just me. Um, They're they're small planes. Right. So, um, but yeah, there's a bit of that because we fly people from every country too. So a lot of, a lot of language barriers as well. Um, but yeah, it's, it's way different. Like in Afghanistan, my passengers had weapons. So, you know, you're not going to see that on WestJet or Canada. <laughs> so like Guns? Yeah. So oh, I'd have wow. to either, I'd have to hold, like take them from people, or I just have to check before they get on that the magazine's out, that it's not loaded, things like that. There was just different rules. So, um, but yeah, like that Check was. If there's a detonator. Yeah, you never know. Right. Yeah. Or we, or if we had like high, high profile flights, um, I would take like everybody's cell phone or something. If there's, right. if you would worry about any, because if you had a lot of high profile people on board and you're a good target, you know, oh, so yes. we would, we'd get really strict. So it was, I felt more like a security guard <laughs> to be honest. But I, yeah, it was a very different uh, atmosphere. Yeah. <laughs> It's interesting. You were in Sudan most recently. Um, no, my my last tour, my final uh, goodbye tour was in Tunisia, which was fantastic. That would be beautiful to see. It's I mean, so beautiful. The positive side. Yeah. yeah, it was an amazing, amazing last tour. Amazing way to end it. Um, I, lo- I love Tunisia. But the mission that we worked on was Libya. So we live in Tunisia because Libya was too dangerous for us to live in. Or else we would have been there. So we would fly into Tripoli most days. And this is after the Gaddafi reign? Yeah. Yeah. After. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Fact, you've seen a lot. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, a lot of the news, you know, that comes out, it's, it's, it's funny because we'd be flying people into something, a situation, and then it would come out later and... Sometimes you see us in the background or I would, I would, I would say take screenshots and send it to my parents, you know, cause normally nobody would know who's, who's there. Right. But yeah, it was uh, interesting and they liked it. And sometimes they didn't cause they're like, like I don't really want to know what, like now that I read the story, <laughs> now I worry about you more. What are you doing nowadays or what are you hoping to do? Cause you started the, some angels, right? Army of angels. Army of angels. Those are my girls. That's my team. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I um I started that earlier this year in May. It was the, the very first group. I've been coaching online for a while before that, and I've done personal training for a while as well. Um, and then overseas, just 
more for volunteer with my, you know, on bases, I would teach boot camps. So I taught boot camps in Afghanistan with the soldiers and then in uh, Africa with some of the staff or some of my friends in the crew or on the crew. Um, so I've always kept fitness going. And, um, and then Army of Angels formed just because I was, I, I'd had enough. It was time to come home. I wanted to be by my family again and kind of just enjoy Canada finally after all this time. So um, I, I wanted to, I called it army of angels really because it kind of a take on obviously the past decade in war zone. So working with a lot of militaries of so this army, there's the family aspect of it, the camaraderie, um, but also just the badass toughness and, um, and then angels is the beauty side of it. Right. As well. And, um, the kindness. So I, there's a lot of, in fitness over the years, there's been a lot of um, generalization and stereotypes again, as well about, you know, female competitors or bodybuilders or anything. And people love to have their opinions about how somebody should look and if they're too strong or too skinny or whatever, you know, when I that to celebrate the strength and the beauty together, mm-hmm. you know, so that's essentially where it came from. Um so I went with Army of Angels and I started a group, an online coaching group. Um, and I go through, I, I do their programs in uh, nutrition and training and then mindset as well. So we do group discussions every weekend and I present on a different topic and right. And, or we study different books. So we're studying atomic habits actually right now. So it's, it's, it's cool. Book, all, way, all encompassing. It? What's that? It's a great book, isn't it? It's so great. I love it. And it's amazing to actually study, to break it down and make presentations on it. Cause then you absorb it even more. Right. So. I, yeah. Uh, yeah. I love self-help books. One's yeah. called the shadow effect and I absolutely adore it. Yeah. Oh, I don't know that one. Okay. I'll look for that. The shadow effect. Yeah. It's really neat. It's the things that we uh, often have, which is, you know, when we're walking, we have a shadow, but we don't look at or go in, but it follows us. So it's like the fears and all the shit that we suppress, like, um, trauma all the things oh i don't want to go there because it's too hard to face it it'll always mm-hmm. be with you and you won't be able to be free from those shackles that hold yes so open that chest and go in and gently and face those fears sometimes just to as part of the therapy to get to get better again you know i've, I've been there before <laughs> so yeah. how do find- you unfuck yourself or uh, <laughs> remove the um what you've seen or what you've heard, especially someone like yourself that has been around a lot. Yeah, I used to need, um, I had to start recognizing that certain tours um, when I was coming home, you know, um, I just, I knew better than to make plans with everybody right away. So I knew that I needed a little bit of a decompression time. And when I first moved out West, I did live with my sister and we lived out in Bright Creek actually, when we first moved here. Oh, beautiful, isn't it? So nice, so peaceful. So it was the perfect area to be, right? So it was just super tranquil. And so when I first came home, I wouldn't make any major plans right away unless it was something that was, you know, with my family or hiking or something like that. But um, with certain friends, cause, and it's not any of these friends faults or anything like that. But I started to realize over the years that um, it would bother me if I went to a big social event or something right when I got home. You know, you'd think you'd want to because you want to celebrate and, you know, see everyone again. 
But if I would get home and it was, you know, a bunch of friends and they're just complaining or talking about certain issues that were very first world problems. And I just Service left level. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, they're so stressed out and they need to go to Palm Springs to detox for a bit or, and I just, and then I've got my friends in Afghanistan emailing me, you know, we were fired on 12 times yesterday. Like, and I'm just, I was like, I can't, I can't listen to your spa problems right now. <laughs> I just can't. So I, and I don't think there's anything wrong with that. And I enjoy it. And in fact, I probably needed it <laughs> after Afghanistan, but I just knew that I needed a decompression time. So I, I didn't see a lot of people right away. A couple of weeks. I think the balance is good. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Grounded yet levitated. Right. Yeah. 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 Because I still enjoy all of that. And I mean, of course, I'm a pretty girly girl and I love to do all the spa stuff and take care of myself, especially when I'm competing. But I also realize that I I need to ease into those things, too, because I'm not training in those scenarios. And then I come like I don't have even high heels or anything on. So people are practicing like crazy for stage. And you know, I fly in and then I practice for like a week ahead of time and hope for the best. <laughs> like, I hope I remember how to walk in heels. <laughs> Are you still competing? Uh, I might next August. Yeah. Yeah. I usually just do at Worlds. So Worlds is every August. Every August. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> what do you hope for uh, in terms of women, especially in this industry um, to feel? Because like you said, it's, there is beauty in everything. You, know, you just got to find it. Right. Yeah. But like you said, if the girl is too jacked up, is that beautiful or is that scary? Who's who is to judge, by the way? They should absolutely judge yeah. for themselves. 100%. Yeah. Absolutely. Like I, I've had those things bother me before. I've had people t tell me that, you know, or judge the way I looked and or tell me um that it was it was gross I remember I and this this really bothered me once this came from another woman and I just thought oh, I hate when that happens I think we're supposed to be there for each other and support each other but it was a woman that I admired because she was you know in this scenario she was a female pilot and I was like oh that's awesome I, I started my pilot's license when I was in my 20s too so um I love flying and and I really admired her and but much older than me in a different mentality. And just, um, we were in Afghanistan and she's like, you know, that guys think it's gross, right? You know, that they actually talk about you behind your back. They think it's ugly. I was like, I don't feel like that, but thanks for saying, like <laughs> bringing that up. Like, why would somebody say that, you know? And I just thought that, you know, everyone's going to have uh, their views on what they think is beautiful. And I know from being so well-traveled now that the views change quite a bit with age, with countries, with what are, what is beauty in, in different parts of this world. Right. Um, so it really, when it comes down to it, you've got to decide for yourself how you want to be and what you find beautiful and what you're proud of. So, yeah, I know uh, in many of the countries I've I've been in, I would be far too skinny. It wouldn't be I wouldn't be attractive in some of the in oh, Congo, yeah. certain countries, right? And I know that, that is actually a sign of wealth, isn't it? It's like that's what they are success. I sorry, yeah, that the bigger the person is, right? The, 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 yeah, more well to do they are because it's not starvation. Exactly. Yeah. So true. It's interesting. Yeah, different places, different cultures, and <laughs> right. Yeah, the world is big, yet it's small, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. What have you learned traveling the world, seeing some of the most beautiful places and some of the darkest places? What do we as humans have in common? 
Hmm. Well, I think that one of the biggest lessons is how, um, how little of importance money actually is on, on happiness is what I've seen in a lot of the countries I've been in, because I've been in mostly poor countries. And um, there were many times where, um, and people also just want to donate when they, and, and that's great. But a lot of the times when I was deployed, we were, you know, if we were in Uganda, we were driving to Kampala to the a bigger city for the day. And on the drive backs, so we drive through a lot of little villages and often not just, not just there in Congo and all over, we would bring like basketballs or um, volleyballs or whatever. And we would go out and buy a whole bunch of just equipment like that. And we would just stuff our van full of it. And then on the drive home, we would maybe like bring out some balls to the villages or things like that, but we'd always get out and actually go play with them. And a lot of the times there's language barriers and, and everything. We can't speak to each other, but we can communicate in just play and chasing each other, you know, around. And that was what we love to do. And so I also teach yoga on the side as well. And so I would actually teach yoga to some of the kids in the villages and then the pilots would play soccer with them or, you know, you would just do what you could do. And um, I loved it. Like it was so much fun. And these, these kids, they didn't want technology. They didn't want iPhones. They didn't want, they just wanted like a ball to play with and people to be nice to them. And they were all giggling and having fun. And it was just, it's, I don't think any of them would have been happy if we thought we were saving them by uprooting them and taking them out of their family village with their, you know, those that they're close with um, and giving them all the goods that some of us have here. I don't think that would have made them happy. So I think having their family around, and I think that that's how, what makes me happy too, is home is where my family is. So my closest family members are my sister and my nephews. So that is, this is home for me. Um, and this isn't where I'm from, but it's because of them that this is home, right? So I think just knowing what's important. And over the years, I've just come to realize um, that some of these material things just really don't matter, but my experiences have, you know, so like my, what I'm proud of is, you know, there, that's what I'm proud of, like <laughs> seeing the world and traveling around and seeing different countries and, you know, having, having, uh, yeah. meeting people and having fun. Are you over it? Over the travel? Um, I don't want to travel in the same way. I still will. But I want to do different things now. So I think with Army of Angels, I do plan on turning it into some retreats eventually. So we will actually in six weeks, we're meeting in Toronto for the first kind of get together. But Toronto is not a big travel experience right, for us. So uh, we're just meeting there because more of them are there. So we're having our, our first weekend get together um, with my team. But in the next few years, yeah, I want to be able to take them to Thailand, Mexico, sure. yeah. uh, maybe the US, and we'll just have some smaller retreats, but I want to travel in different ways. So I still want to complete my bucket list. There's still things that I didn't do while I was on deployments because we had a lot of time off and that's why I kept staying because I right. enjoyed that time off. And there's a lot I still want to do yeah. and I will. I'm just going to do them in different ways. So Does still need to- lonely now though in life? Because it's like you by yourself, it's quiet now. Yeah. Like you're in this- go go mentality and all like, <laughs> yeah two months of 
Oh, not much. <laughs> oh, on time off? Well, no, just right now, like your life now. Yeah. It's so different, isn't it? I think, yeah, it is. And I think um, I've just been so busy that I haven't uh, felt that at all because starting a, a new business, being an entrepreneur for the first time in my life, while I've always been an employee, is shockingly busy. Like, it's a grind. It is. And it's still small. Like we're still small, but I have a vision for where I want to go. So I'm just grinding every day. And I just think, yeah, this is good. This is the most I've ever worked by far, <laughs> but I'm passionate about it. Yeah. Something you I love. Know. And you know, you really know this industry. Yeah. 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 I've been doing it long enough. So I don't feel like I'm new at it in any way at all. <laughs> so that helps. Yeah, and I'm sure there's so much value you can add. It's not just physically, it's mindset. You know, how do you train yeah places that are foreign to you under pressure <laughs> i mean hopefully not many people have to do that but yeah. it's the analogies of mindset right and that I building think... that calluses on your mind to strengthen it yeah. yeah and i think some of my girls some of them that have come to me you know they've been following my instagram for a while too so they see that i've trained in these in these ways with like every show prep was from a different war zone and so it's funny because there's been times where they've complained about something like, oh, but I don't have bumper plates. And I was like, well, you know, and they're like, yeah, you literally lifted cement in South Sudan for show prep. Okay. <laughs> we won't bug you. <laughs> well, I know people got like the craziest equipment at home and they don't work out. That's yeah. So it's not that too. It's, they got it's, the nicest stuff, but you're not doing anything. That won't. And that's it. Like, just like that, the fancy stuff doesn't really matter. How fast do we get over it? Mm -hmm. Right. Like the second the next iPhone comes out, we all jump to buy it. And then you're you're over it in, you know, three months, maybe. Yeah. And then you're like, next more. Yeah. It's always about. And that's why I really appreciated my time in Africa um, and the Middle East is because I really became uh, more content with less. Like there were times where, you know, I mean, in every way I'd pack for two month period, which would sometimes to my surprise, turn into nine months, but I only have what I packed for that time. So I was used to just having the basics. And then I was used to having less options with our groceries or, you know, gems, if there was a gym. So I just became content with less. So now I've got, I've still got that in me. And I hope that that never leaves. I hope that, you know, now when I, when I wake up every day and I go for a walk in mahogany by the lake, and I just take it all in and I'm so happy to be here. I'm so lucky to be here. And I have that mentality because I've spent all this time deployed. And I just hope, I hope I never lose that. <laughs> in terms of someone trying to reach out to you uh, before we get going here, how can they do so? Uh, well, on Instagram, it would be Julia Shelley is the main page. Uh, Army of Angels is our team page. And um and on Facebook, it's Julia Shelley nice. as well. Are you so. taking on any clients right now? I am actually. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm. Um, thanks for asking. I'm probably some one-on-one -on -one is always offered, so people could apply for one-on-one -on -one at any time. I have links in my bio. Sure, um, I'll, I'll add them in on the website too. Yeah. Oh, thanks. And uh, but I actually, I, I'm really passionate about doing the groups. I know not groups aren't for everyone, um, but it's just it's that extra accountability and community. They, the group, the girls kind of cheer each other on and they're on the same journey. They have the exact same attention as one-to-one. -one. They just have the group calls and we do the, the group calls once a week and they just mm -hmm. learn so much. So that's the only difference. So I let 
people choose what's what's best for them. Oh, yeah. Super cool. And mm-hmm. uh, what can we hope for in the next, I don't know, let's say year, where do you want to be in a year? Uh, Here's a, a little digital yeah. capsule. Yeah, it's so exciting. I love to think about that because this is the first time in my life that it's everything is so different. I mean, I just left a career of 21 years. I've come home and started a business. Which so this is, is your full-time gig? Terrifying. You don't have any? Full-time. I don't have benefits. I don't have anything. <laughs> like, no, but well, like no other like um, <laughs> income other than. No, this is oh, it. Yeah, so it's it's you. scary. It's scary. But that's why I, I did start it while I was on and I had one last tour. But still, only one last tour. I knew I knew it was time to leave. Mm-hmm. So um, I was at that point, though, that I was thankful for my time there. But I was at a point where if this didn't work out, I would work at Starbucks. It's okay. <laughs> it's all good. I just needed to. I was ready to leave. Well, thanks for your time today, Julie. I appreciate it. Uh, thank you. Thanks for meeting with me.